In actual fact, thinking is an underrated pastime for many business owners because they're so busy doing. But yeah, if we're going to create a different result, we've got to spend time thinking and planning. We've got to spend time dreaming up what are the different ways in which we're going to get there. We've got to be working out the how. Welcome to the Business Mastermind Podcast with business strategist, speaker and author, Gavin Preston. Tap into this meeting of minds between everyday business people on their journey to master business growth. Join them as they share strategies, insights and shortcuts to help you survive and thrive in business and life as you scale your business and achieve a bigger impact. Hello and welcome back to the Business Mastermind podcast. Gavin Preston here. The episode today um, is the second of a two-part series that we started actually uh, earlier in June, on the 10th of June, called The Strategy Compass. You may remember The Strategy Compass is a business growth model that I've developed from over 25 years of working in businesses, from small, high-growth SMEs to medium-sized organisations to large corporate and international organisations. The six key elements that I've discovered have to be in place if you're going to raise the game Grow, raise the trajectory of growth of a business, enable you to grow and scale it. And I've called the model, this business growth model, the strategy compass. You may remember from the first part of the, um, uh, the episode, uh, the first part of the conversation around the strategy compass, that there are six stages, purpose, mindset, outcome, strategy, capability, and then action and accountability as the final step. So, here is the second part of an interview with me, actually, as I explain the elements of the strategy compass. As you listen to these, be sure to be thinking about how can I apply this into my own business? And if you did miss the episode, the first part of this conversation, then go back um, to episode number 10 that was released on the 10th of June. Back to the model, purpose and mindset. Before we go on any journey, we have to know where we're we heading. Before you set off this morning, for when you left home or your, your accommodation from last night, you knew exactly where you were heading. You had a clear outcome or a clear destination. Do you know what? It never ceases to amaze me. How many business owners get to an end of a year? They look at their financial results and go, we did okay. You know, the bank manager's going to be happy. And then they just keep their head down and they just carry on doing more of the same because they're too busy dealing with the day today. Amazingly few business owners actually set clear goals or targets about where they're going to head. So it's important that we do that. Just like we would never consider setting off on a journey without actually putting our destination in. Hey, when we switch our sat-nav on, what's the first thing we put into it? A destination, of course. So we need to set that for our business. We need to set that clear, not only for us in terms of a leader of business, but for every single member of the team in the business. If you, wouldn't, if you wouldn't set off on a journey on a, in the morning on your way to work or on your way to a meeting without setting a destination, why would, you, why would you not do that within your business? So you need to set a, get a clarity about where you're heading. So, of course, you can plot the course on how to get there, the route on how to get there. So um, I want to share with you now five principles of goal setting. I go into all of this in a lot more detail in the program, The Strategy Compass. But in, from research from two fantastic authors, Locke and Latham, they're saying that for a goal to be effective within an organization or a series of goals to be effective, there needs to be five principles. 
There needs to be clarity. A goal needs to deliver clarity to everybody within the organization so we're all pulling together in the same direction. There needs to be an element of challenge inherent within that goal which switches people on and engages them. Inherent, uh, an intrinsic sort of challenge and problem solving uh, of any goal is an, is an inherent motivator. It's an internal motivator. Then we need to create collective fee- commitment. Sorry, We need to get everybody on board and committed to achieving that. Then we need to make sure there's the right feedback mechanisms loop. And importantly, we catch people in our business doing things right. We reinforce the behavior that we want. We give positive reinforcement. And then there needs to be a degree of tact a task complexity in order to, again, to provide challenge. And where possible, we need to make sure that we're simplifying it, that world of complexity in order that people are clear about what they need to do. Yeah. And this was, again, yesterday when we went through the entire course, that this, this was just superb, the, the way you break the, each of these down. And also, again, how you can, you, the, the, the hints and tips and tricks that you gave to getting the team committed. Absolutely. It's all well and good, you know, as the business owner to go, well, I'm committed to this. But unless you get the team rallying behind you and going after the same cause and chasing that purpose, it's uh, it can be an uphill struggle. Everybody's got to pull together. You know, quite often I get asked to go into organizations. Hey, can you help me motivate my team, please? I go, okay. tell me what's going on. Say, oh, well, performance is down. um, Morale's at rock bottom. And actually, uh, people are thinking about leaving and some indeed are leaving. Okay, um, let me get this right then. So morale's down, performance is at rock bottom, and people are leaving. Uh, yeah. Uh, did you hire them that way, you know, in terms of morale down and performance down? No. Okay, so what have you been doing uh, to them since they've arrived? Oh. So one of my first questions, before we can do anything around creating high-performing teams, they've all got to be aligned and pointed in the same direction. In other words... Clarity around purpose and clarity around direction or outcome about where we're heading. So we need to set some goals. So get ready, get set, get setting some goals. And here's some areas in your life and in your business where it's important to set goals. Right at the heart of this, quite appropriately, is health. I'm a big fan of the aircraft safety briefing analogy. First, put your own oxygen mask on before helping the person next to you. So you need to look after you. You need to look after yourself because if you're going to deliver on your promise of fulfilling your bigger purpose and leaving a legacy, if you're going to be providing leadership and employment to your workforce and making a difference in your marketplace, you've got to be in tip-top condition. So you need to set goals around looking after your own health. Then what are the goals for your business? What are the goals for the legacy that you want to leave? Interestingly, you then need to set goals around finance and financial freedom. What are the goals you want to have around family and friends? What are the goals you want to have around, you know, the, the house, the car, the boat, the plane, whatever it is that's important to you, or the holidays, the places you want to visit? You've got to set goals in all areas of your life so you create a level of fulfillment in each area of your, of your life. Mm. So we've had a quick run through, again, uh, in, the, in this program, we've had a quick run through uh, about goal setting, about setting an outcome. In the full Strategy Compass program, I take you through in more depth some of the rationale behind goal setting and how to set them for you and for your team members so that you can create alignment and have everybody heading in the same direction together. And you also include templates, don't you, so that people can... 
Absolutely. Write their own goals and, and you'd lead them through that process and handhold them through that process. Indeed. Of course. Because the whole purpose of this program and the Strategy Compass program is to give you a guide, to give you a step-by-step route map to help you get from plateauing performance to back into accelerated growth. With practical steps. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And one of the areas that I do do a lot of practical steps is this area around strategy. Strategy is the piece around the how-to. So once we've worked out where we want to head to, our outcome, then we need to work out how on earth we're going to get there. And there's one thing I've noticed that many business owners who are busy in the day-to-day, there's one thing they do not do enough of. They don't spend enough time thinking. In actual fact, thinking is an underrated pastime for many business owners because they're so busy doing Yeah, if we're going to create a different result, we've got to spend time thinking and planning. We've got to spend time dreaming up. What are the different ways in which we're going to get there? We've got to be working out the how. But there are some drawbacks. There's some potential traps that we go into the process of thinking that we could fall into. And what what I want to share with you is some of the traps that you need to avoid when you're thinking through. Teo, when an organization or a business owner is looking about where they might go next, where, what targets they may set themselves for the growth of their business. Yeah. Where's the first place they tend to look? For, for targets? Yeah, so if they're looking forward in terms of next year I'm going to grow by X, yeah. where's the first place they tend to look and part of that thought process? Um, to the team and to how they can increase sales to get to that point. Yeah, they will get there. But often what they also do before that, they often can look backwards, can't they? They can look at what they did last year. Oh, retrospectively. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So we grew by 4, 5, 10% last year. And one of the challenges is that once we, we, if we first look back to last year, say, oh, we grew 4%, we grew 5% or whatever it was last year, we've already limited what we, can th- what we think we can do in the coming year by virtue of tagging or anchoring ourselves to last year's performance. The fundamental assumption we are making in that moment is this coming, this next year's performance is actually linked to or directly attributable to what we did last year. And that is an invalid assumption. What we did last year was based on the market conditions at the time, um, our product that we were bringing to the market and our way of marketing it and the performance of our team. However, if we've got a different product or we're marketing it a different way with different market conditions, we've improved team performance, for example, we can achieve results of a whole different class. So one of the things you've got to avoid is looking into the past. If you take a larger organization, say with different geographical teams, what you can often find is that Individuals running a business unit in one geographical area end up not only comparing performance to what they did last year, but they compare performance to the other person, one of their peers in another geographical area. Or they compare their performance to the external competition. The danger with that is all of those sort of points of focus are inward. They're like internal navel gazing. And that's an invalid or an unhelpful place to look. Now, Apple didn't look internally or at competition in the mobile phone industry when they first came up with the iPhone and, and created a whole new category of mobile phones, which, of course, was a smartphone category. Whereas other players in the marketplace, you know, other major mobile phone manufacturers, no doubt were spending time comparing their performance against each other in terms of different geographical divisions and against the existing competition in the marketplace at the time. Yes. 
So instead of looking inward, instead of navel gazing, we need to be looking externally because it's not about us. It's about the external market. So we need to look at changing market trends, changing customer demands, and also changes in technology. Yeah. And often it can be the simplest things, can't it? For example, the, the, the example that you used there with Apple, when they bought out the iPhone, they bought out one iPhone. And I think at the time when they bought out the one iPhone that could had the camera and was, the, was the able to make calls and had the functionality of the iPod, uh, it basically replaced so many devices in one go. Whereas at the same time, from if you remember Nokia, uh, for example, they must have had, what, 12, 14, 20 different phones out on the market at the same time. And it was very confusing from a customer's point of view as to which one to buy, whereas Apple just went with the simplicity of one phone that does it all. A confused mind does not buy. Yeah. Yeah. So actually, there is power in simplicity. But that's where the changing market trend was, though, because people didn't want want to carry around a mobile phone and an iPod uh, or an MP3 player and and a camera. They thought, let's change the market trends. People are going to want simplicity in one device. Do you remember at one stage we had um, the mobile phone, um, then we probably had the PDA, um, you know, like the Palm or something. Yeah. Uh, then we had the iPad. Mm. Sorry, iPod. Sorry, the, the so the iPod Music MP3 player. So we had the mobile phone. We had the um, sort of the Palm or the uh, P- handheld PDA. We had the music player MP3 iPod. And then if we had a sat-nav in our car, we had a separate sat-nav. You know, it's a stage that actually you need a little man bag to yeah. carry all your yeah, gadgets yeah. Or around. Or a dictaphone, in. as a voice recorder. Uh, or, or a dictaphone. All these things. You so, see, so exactly what you're talking about here, changing customer demands, changing technology, changing market trends. Apple are just the absolute genius. So they came up with one device. Yeah. And with, of course, the App Store, they enabled that, little, that one device to become increasingly powerful as a handheld computer. Mm. Okay, so what we need to look at then is check trends in the marketplace. So... We need to have a look at trends of the trends around what's taking place in terms of the economics around the, in the marketplace we're working. Techno- changes in technological trends, changes in society, changes in infrastructure, changes in the consumer behaviour, changes in the political legal landscape and in the environmental scenario system and in education. And in the strategy compass, I give you a number of different examples of changes across each of these different areas and give you a template for you to use so that you can spot some of the the, the strategic trends that are taking place and the changes that are taking place. Why? Because through this, all this change in these different areas, there's opportunity. There's opportunity in your market space that other people aren't all over. But what we have to do as business owners is go through the world with our eyes and ears and our senses wide open and spot these different trends. So the slide here is something that will give you key areas to look at for you to identify the different trends that are taking place in the world and the marketplace around you. And as I say, I give you proper templates in the program, the Strategy Compass. We've also got to be clear on who we're targeting in terms of our customers. Who are they? What are their specific needs, their pain points, their aspirations? Your product needs to address their needs, their pain points and aspirations. Your marketing needs to be written as if it's being read by one person because at any one moment in time, it's, of course, going to be consumed and read or watched by only one person. So your marketing needs to talk to these needs, these pain points, these aspirations. How are you going to find out them? Well, you need to ask your customers. You can either talk to them. You can survey them using tools such as SurveyMonkey. You can do Google keyword researches. You can look at the data that your sales results have given you. That's feedback in its own right. You need to review your product portfolio 
against each of these needs and seeing whether you're making the sales that you are hoping. Actually, what you're bringing to market, is it is it actually in demand? And if it's not, where are you missing out? And you need to come with products or services to be able to do that, to meet those market opportunities. Yeah. I want to share with you now a, one, of, um, one of a number of strategic models that I share with you during the Strategic uh, Compass program, the full Strategy Compass program. Um, I share with you a number of very powerful strategic planning models that I'd like you to think of as lenses. These are where, things for you to look at your business in the context of that hopefully will enable you to help you see some strategic differentiators, some strategic opportunities. The values discipline is a very powerful model developed by Tracy and Weismer. And um, what it talks about is three axes about in which we can grow and value in our business, but also value in the eyes of the customers. At one level, there is product leadership. These are organizations that are very uh, at the front of the game. They're, they're seen right at the fore of their game. They invest an awful lot in research and development, and they're seen to be product leaders. So we've just been talking about Apple. In the IT industry, the computing industry, Apple is seen as product leaders. You may argue that, say, for example, in automobile, in, in, in car manufacturers, you've got Audi and Mercedes are right at the forefront of product leadership. Operational excellence. Operational excellence is a business that is actually low-cost provision of its product or service. And because they're constantly searching for lowest-cost provision to the customer, in order to make profit internally, they've had to become very efficient from an operational point of view. They've had to become operationally excellent. So there might be, uh, for example, budget airlines that that actually the, the cost to the traveler to, to, to their flyers is, is relatively cheap and, and low cost. Uh, a great example in Europe is Ryanair. Now, Ryanair, in order to make profits because of their low price point and their tickets, have had to become incredibly operationally excellent. So, for example, they have the highest punctuality figures of any airline in Europe and the fastest aircraft turnaround time of any airline in Europe. And then the third axis is customer intimacy. Now, customer intimacy at its sort of uh, intermediary levels is great customer service, but at its furthest extent is a truly tailored or a bespoke service. So that might be a tailored suit, that might be a private jet, or a private jet charter service like NetJets, which takes you from A to B according to your own particular schedule. So if we look at the model, what they're saying is that there are two concentric rings in the middle of the, around this model. First of all, the inner circle is about industry threshold standards. This is your ticket to the game, entry to the game. In other words, you have to meet certain threshold standards of quality around product, around operational excellence, around customer service and customer intimacy in order for you to actually be successful at all. However, if you're really going to deliver a lot of value and you're going to be excellent and a leader in your marketplace, you need to achieve industry excellence level in one, ideally two of those three axes. So if we take Apple, for example, Apple is a product leader in terms of the development of its hardware and, of course, its software solutions. Now, a number of years back, their supply chain wasn't that great. So they were operationally excellent, which got into the, which had a massive impact, of course, on terms of sales and reputation in the marketplace. 
Now, of course, there's been a heck of a lot of energy and work, you know, under the, the leadership of Tim Cook with a background in supply chain of actually making sure that their supply chain is can keep up with the phenomenal demand that they're creating now for their products. So arguably, they've achieved operational excellence as well as product leadership. So they've got industry excellence standards in both of those. Very difficult, however, almost impossible to achieve operate, uh, industry excellence standards in all three axes. What do I mean? Because the customer intimacy uh, at its truest level, its furthest extent, is a truly bespoke product. Mm. So you can't get your very own gold-plated iPhone. There is another manufacturer in the marketplace that will create one for you, but Apple don't provide you your, your you know, diamond-encrusted gold iPhone, for example. No. Um, the nearest they go to it is uh, offering to put your initials on the back of a, an iPhone uh, or an uh, iPad. Uh, yeah, absolutely. But again, it's not really that bespoke, is it? No, quite. Um, whereas this is your, this is say for example your one-off car, maybe your um, your, your your bulletproofed and uh, bulletproof and reinforced uh, Bentley, for example, for a certain class of customer is a very low volume, sometimes only one, mm. but therefore is a high margin, very tailored product. So in order to stand out in the marketplace, you've got to be clear what you're about, where you excel. You need to excel in one of those three areas, and ideally two of those three areas. By the way, once you're clear on that, everything else has to stack up. So for example, the investment back in the business in an organization like Apple is in research and development. The investment and innovation back in a business in an organization like uh, Amazon, for example, goes into improving their distribution, their logistics, because they're operationally excellent, or the same with improving processes and reducing cost of delivery for Ryanair, for example. In a customer intimate business, their operation, their investment back in the innovation of their service is how could they create something that's even more specially unique that will really wow and make a difference to their high net worth clients, the low volume, high margin products that they offer it's a powerful model it's a lens to look through your business at and say actually are you making the mistake of what a lot of business owners do is that they become jack of all trades master of none they play around in each of those three areas but they never really nail the colors to any one of those three masks or axes and actually in fact if you're really going to stand out in the marketplace you've got to choose which one you're about to find the excellence just to find the excellence yeah This episode of The Business Mastermind is brought to you by The Evolve Mastermind. The Evolve Mastermind is a business mastermind for business owners of businesses turning over between 500,000 and 5 million per annum. Their monthly events provide you with solutions, strategies, inspiration and insights to help you scale and grow your business. Each month there's a hand-picked speaker to provide you with relevant strategies plus time to mastermind with other business owners on issues that are facing you and your business. With groups in Chelmsford in Essex and Manchester in the Northwest and more locations planned, go to www.the-evolve-mastermind.co.uk. That's www.the-evolve-mastermind.co.uk. You've been listening to the Business Mastermind podcast. Be sure to subscribe, rate and review so that more people like you can get their business back on their own terms, enjoy more success and create more impact.